podcast fam, Dan Baruz and Chris Montgomery are the co-founders of Slice Engineering, a company in the world of 3D printing. In 2016, while working with one another, Dan and Chris encountered a problem at work that they wanted to solve with high temperature 3D printing. But unfortunately, and fortunately, found that the technology available at the time was not able to do what they wanted. After many late nights in the garage, Chris found a solution to the problem and Slice Engineering was born. Hear their story in today's episode, episode 156 of the WHOA GNV podcast. You are listening to WHOA podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I am your host, Colin Austin, and today's episode is being brought to you by my friends over at Gainesville Harley-Davidson. The open road is calling, and Gainesville Harley-Davidson is answering. Their experienced and knowledgeable team can help you find the piece of two or three wheeled freedom, baby. Take a free test ride and get all of your questions answered. Visit their showroom today just off Northwest 39th Avenue and I-75 in Gainesville. You can also check out all of their inventory at GainesvilleHarley.com. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to give them a call at 352-331-6363 at Gainesville Harley. You're not just any rider, your family. And you guys, they're our family too. So I tell you what, like when you're ready to upgrade from that scooter, Go get yourself a Harley over at Gainesville Harley Davidson. Gainesville Harley, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your support. And you guys, as we start to head toward the second half of the year, I just wanna let you know that you too can also become one of our incredible sponsors. If you own a small business and could benefit from reaching our regionalized audience of Alachua County business owners, entrepreneurs, business professionals, and leaders, drop me an email at colin at whoagnv.com to hear about all of the great sponsorship packages that we have to offer. Not only would you be supporting our mission and building community, but we'll help you get your message in front of the area's best our amazing listeners. It's a win, win, win. A win for you, a win for us, and a win for our awesome listeners that ben, that get the benefit of your great product or service. Again, my email is colin at whoagnv.com, so definitely drop me an email. I'll be happy to send that uh, sponsorship package over to you, and we can keep building this community together, baby. And uh, be sure to connect with all of the great sponsors that make this show possible by going to whoagnv.com slash sponsors. That's where we have all of the links to their websites, get connected to the people that are making this happen every single week. This is episode 156, you guys, 156 weeks of doing this. And I feel like I'm a little bit better than I was from episode one. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, I've improved at least a little bit, right guys? So uh, anyway, I'm excited to get into today's episode. You guys, today on the show, we have Dan Barus and Chris Montgomery, co-founders of Slice Engineering, a company that designs, manufactures, and sells core components for 3D printers. You guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for Yeah. I'm excited to have you guys. So, uh, let's dive. Let's dive in. I always like to start with the story, man. I like to start with the story. How did you guys get into this business? How did you guys get to Gainesville? All of it. <laughs> <laughs> the whole story. The whole story. Uh, yeah. So I I came to Gainesville for UF. Um, studied mechanical engineering, uh, and then had a couple of different options I could have gone down. Um, I'd worked in. I'd done an internship in an air, with an aerospace company, but I decided I wanted to. Uh, I really liked Gainesville. I wanted to stay here, so I worked um, at a biomedical company. It's in the area, and that's where I met Chris. And uh, we were kind of working on a problem that we had at work where we needed 3D printing. And we really found out that after calling a few companies in, I mean, globally, really, we talked to a bunch of people internationally to try and solve this problem with high temperature plastics. Um, you would use high temperature plastics for like a high performance application. Specifically, we had to heat some plastics to sterilize it before it could go into a clean room. And um, nobody could solve it. So Chris, being the engineer that he is, was kind of like, hey, <laughs> let me uh, go back to my garage and see if we can figure this out. And uh, I don't know, two years later, something like that, Slice was kind of born out of that idea and now we have a, a business 
launching out of Gainesville, we sell into 30-something countries. Um, Dang. Internationally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't know. You got your side of this, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like the shortest story right, that ever. Was a very short story. Very condensed. That's it for today's episode, everybody. Yeah, that was it. Join us next week. It's pretty short. It's pretty short. Uh, I guess the, yeah, so I mean, what, hap- what happened, um, you know, we, we had some frustration also with products that were on the market. Um, uh, first of all, they didn't meet the criteria that Dan talked about um, to print high temperature plastics. And then um, they would break easily. So, you know, you try to, you, you need to change a nozzle, for example, or a sensor or a heater. Um, these are routine tasks for the kind of printing uh, that we engage in. And uh, that was just a real delicate operation. So after breaking enough things, you know, you start to think, okay, well, how can we do this better? And um, so, yeah, after a couple iterations, uh, Dan and I just thought, I think this can be a product. And that's that was like the beginning. Uh, well, that was in 2017. And then we launched at a, what's called a RepRap Festival, which is kind of a bizarre thing. I don't think any other industry has like a festival that people travel internationally to go and just share what they've made with a given technology. But 3D printing has that. There are, there are a number of these festivals around the world. So we launched at one that's in Goshen, Indiana, traditionally. And, I'll be uh, going to the 20... They're calling it 2020 Part 2 right now. Yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah. like the, the Rep Rep Festival Part 2 for... Uh, um, the same one that we launched at in 2018, but we'll be going again this year. Yeah. So pretty excited in a couple so, weeks. Yeah. So that, and that's like a grassroots, you know, people came from what Australia, or yeah. like all, all over, over the all place. over the world. Yeah. Iceland and, mm-hmm. and, um, it, you know, where else do you, it, it's kind of an odd industry where we're working with commercial customers, you know, like big names you've heard of, you know, big companies you've heard of. And then all the way down to people who have like, you know, a couple hundred dollar 3D printer or a 3D printer they built from scratch. Um, and we're, we're selling like oftentimes the same products to both of those parties, you know, a machine that might cost a couple hundred dollars or a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, they're using the same parts of ours. So that's kind of kind of interesting that, you know, we will go to a rep rap festival one day and like Dan's talking about, or we may go to a trade show, you know, that's all like, you know, suit and tie kind of, you know, thing. Yeah. And, and like G and Boeing are there so, and right. US Navy. So like everybody's your customer. Yeah. yeah. You're selling yeah. direct and then you're selling to the companies <laughs> it's too. It's different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can definitely circle back to the business side of it for sure. But mm-hmm. like, take me back. So, I mean, have you, are you from Gainesville? I am. Yeah. You are. Okay. Yeah. So you were born here. Born here. Lived yeah. here your entire life. Yep. Did you born, go to school here? Born or what? at the hospital that no longer exists right behind Slice at AGH, actually. So okay. um, I, I went to Gainesville High School and um, I went away to, to school. So I'm not a Gator, but, but, I'm, I is that like, like one of those things you're like, man, like I got to get the hell out of this now. <laughs> Yeah, like, well, no, no, I, I'm just like, I need to go, you know, explore, but yeah. but So where'd you go? Uh, I went to Duke. Okay. Yeah, and I ended up back in Gainesville. That was like right after 9-11 and, uh, and ended up working in an automation firm, um, which was just fantastic experience. So you miss Gainesville that much? You wanted to come back? Totally. It's, it's a black hole, right? I mean, a lot of people, <laughs> they go away and they come back. and That is a common theme. Yeah. Like, yeah. a lot of people who leave Gainesville end up coming back. Yep. Yeah. I always joked, like, with even, like, former team members that would, like, work for me, like, while they were in school. Mm-hmm. And then they would, like, leave after they graduate because it's like, oh, it's, like, so, so great. Like, we're going to the big city or whatever. And then they're like, yeah, yeah no, they come back. And they even, like, a lot of them come back and work with me. So it's been yeah. great. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so it's been interesting to see how that, that's always that full circle, yeah, man. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to recruit from Gainesville. A lot of people like the idea of a college town. And it's, yeah. It is nice. All right, so, and you guys were working together at the same place. Mm-hmm. That's yep. how you guys met mm-hmm. and they came across this problem. Yeah. And solved this problem. Yeah, we solved it for sure. So is there anybody else like doing the same thing that you guys do? Mm-hmm. There's a couple other companies that are uh, in a similar, I mean, they're in the same sort of industry, right? Or the same business as us, but their focus is more so on how do we make the cheapest thing that you can make and mass produce it. Whereas our focus has been more on how do we sort of push the technology boundaries as far as we can um, and and have a price point that makes sense for, like we have a product line designed more for consumers. We have a product line designed more for uh, like a 
professional use. So that's kind of been our focus is, is how do we push the boundaries of technology as for, in, instead of trying to find the cheapest way to produce something. Okay, so how big is your team? We've got 10 people. 10 people. Yeah. So I mean, how are you like deciding what to work on? Are you like what, how to <laughs> allocate that time? Because it's like, I mean, you could work on, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how, are you, how are you allocating your time between like what different projects and different things you're focused on? Yeah, that's a tough, uh, that's a tough thing constantly. I think we, we constantly have to reevaluate that in terms of prioritization. Is that like an everyday reprioritization? No, <laughs> I feel not like, quite every I feel like day. that's the way it is every over here. Every month, maybe. Every month, yeah. probably. Every month, yeah. 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 And, and we set up like, uh, like we do a biannual, um, like summit is what we call it, but we just, being Chris and, and our third partner, hang out for three days and try and set targets and goals for the, for the subsequent two quarters. And then like a 12 month sort of target on things like revenue, employee growth, like what kind of projects do we want to knock out, um, stuff like that. And then from there, we got to break it down sort of smaller, more granular to figure out what do we do next. And a lot of times those things shift, you know, something comes up like, uh, you know, global pandemic or um, (laughs) some other theoretical, you know, sort of life changing event. Um, and, And obviously that shifts priorities, shifts goals around. Um, yeah, I mean, if anybody that's run a business, you know, there's always stuff that comes up, and so you you reprioritize. Mm-hmm. So you guys have another needs. partner, you said. Mm-hmm. We do have a third. Okay, partner, so what's yeah. the like? What are the roles and responsibilities of the partners? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm my title is CEO. Uh, I do sort of the. Chris, you guys let that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we wanted it to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it was a good choice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so I... Just for everybody's listening, like, I've known Dan for a while. <laughs> so I can razz him a little bit. Some people, yes. some people hear that and be right. like, why is Colin razzing right. <laughs> Like, I've, I've known Dan for a little uh, bit, so I can razz him a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's totally accepted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm more on the sales side, sort of strategic planning. Um, most of the team reports to me and uh, head up marketing as well, um, finance. And then... Uh, I mean, Chris, you can explain your role. Yeah, so my title's CTO. We, you know, you have to have like a big title. You have to have chiefs, and that that we fa- we didn't start that way. You know, we were like, I don't know what director or something. Yeah, I think we had like head of something. Then you people know? start asking for well, well, we need to talk to the chief right yeah. or yeah. the chief executive you know like so it's just simpler well but, what happens is that over time as you grow like you want to go you go back the other way yeah like i i tell oh no i'm just the i'm just the head janitor here yeah. <laughs> right right i can't yeah. help you i don't even know who that guy is you need to talk to right <laughs> you need to talk to the ceo let me transfer you over to his line hold right, on one right. second voicemail yeah <laughs> right 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 i'm sorry you're talking to the lead janitor but yeah. i can get you right over to his voicemail that's not a problem at all man that's really smart we need to like choose who, who the official chiefs are going to be yeah. and then we could just transfer people. There you go. Yeah. That's smart. Or like my favorite, my fa- I mean at least with the retail operation my favorite is like I need to talk to the owner. I'm like I think I've come this close to just giving everybody like 1% ownership. <laughs> just so they can They're be all like the owner? You, I, you are talking to the owner. <laughs> that would be well worth it. That would be so much more efficient. I'm full of great ideas. <laughs> you should write a book about this. Uh, I might, you know I might. I'm, yeah. I just might. You know, one day. <laughs> That'd be fun. So, anyway, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, your role. Your role. role. So, That's yeah. my role. So, I'm the yeah. tech. I'm the tech guy. But you know, we all wear multiple hats. Obviously, in a tiny company, and um, and then Josh. Yeah, I'm. We're allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's his name? Uh, our third. Yeah, our thir- our third partner. Um, he's, he's like a tra- silent. He's a silent. He's part. a silent partner. Um, but he's he's in charge of. Uh, manufacturing, actually the machining part, which is the majority of our manufacturing, and that's in the United States. So, um, yeah, he's he's a, he, the machining was an important part enough of our company that we needed to bring in a third person. To was that done later, or was that done like later from the get? Later, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. We, we, when, we, when we realized the need and that we weren't going to be able to sort of spool it up ourselves, it really made sense to to bring in a third partner mm-hmm. uh, who had some expertise in that area in terms of having. I mean, we, we both worked in with, we've worked with manufacturing, both of us for a long time, but um, but somebody that actually had the, the hands-on resources available at, at their fingertips. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the goal there. So you've been doing this since 2017? 
we incorporated mean, in 2017. Yeah. We really didn't. We started selling product in 2018. Okay. Yeah. So just a little over three years. So I mean, how did you like? How did you fund it? Is this all personal money or? Yeah, mostly. it's all still. I mean, yeah. it's we haven't taken any external funding yet, so mm-hmm. it's been bootstrapped, um, and the revenue grew enough that you know it allowed us to. To, I don't think it it throttled our growth really too much. I mean, we probably could have grown faster with external. I want to I want to know that conversation, that, <laughs> co- that conversation. You know, because it, it, it kind of reminds me of um, Darren and Rich over from Infinite Energy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're kind of like working somewhere else. You know, they were I think GRU right. They were yeah, they were there, GRU. and then like. You know, these you're working somewhere else, but then there's like conversation. You see this idea, you see this opportunity, you see this need, and it's like, how does it like what what's that? What was that conversation? At, because obviously it led to this, and you know, for them it led to something really great. So it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's it's that having the having the guts to kind of leave everything that you're doing to go and pursue something that's really like a whole oh, oh yeah it was <laughs> roll the dice we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens yeah, uh, it was definitely you know. like that for yeah. sure you know we rolled the dice i mean i i left my real job you know like a little bit earlier than dan did yeah, about six months about six months and um but i mean for both of us it was like whoa you know yeah. we had a kid on the way too so yeah it was like oh yeah i was like two <laughs> so did, months out from so did you guys maintain more. your job while you were getting it off the ground oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. so we were both for, working for like uh, about a year and a half yeah i guess yeah so okay. we we're both working you know whatever 40 hours a week or more on your regular job and then 40 plus on the nights and weekends and early morning job so it was, it was a lot for a while so it's like really working two jobs yeah yeah we were really working and you just got jobs. got i mean was it like let's get to a point of a specific like let's hit a target mm-hmm. and then yeah it was like let's hit a revenue target and then i mean the, the, there was a financial model behind it of okay we have to hit x amount in revenue x amount in sales for a certain number of months to make sure that we've got a consistent trend and then you know we're seeing our cost of goods sold fall as our margin increases as you gain economies of scale as you produce more and more and uh, so at some point you hit sort of a tipping point where you, where you can start paying salaries and so that's when we when we switched over okay and then I mean now that you have a team of 10 like when was the first hire was it pretty soon after uh when did I hire Man, it was like kind of a blur three <laughs> months after I went full-time on slice Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and when, like, months. what was the role of that person? Do everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <right. laughs> yes. That's the role. Of, that's always the role of the first hire. It was yes. I yeah. need you to do everything <laughs> right. I tell you to do. That's my, what we were doing. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite. So I still write the job descriptions, and my favorite line in the job descriptions is "all other duties as assigned." And uh, I, I usually, like, nope, that falls in. That right. falls in this. That's right. <laughs> like, typically, the duties will be one of these five bullets, but then all other duties as assigned. So, I mean, that's just sort of what it is as, as a startup, you know, we have engineers vacuuming the floors and taking out the trash. You know, I still vacuum the floors and take out the trash and um, we'll continue doing that <laughs> Lead janitor, for a long time. Bro. Exactly, yeah, exactly, <laughs> Lead janitorial engineer. Right. That's, that's yeah. in everybody's job description. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, you know, we sometimes, if we were trying to get a, a big shipment out at the end of the day, you know, I'm still, speeding oh, I probably shouldn't say that on here but <laughs> trying to get to the UPS drop off point before the truck leaves you know so we've had a lot of days like that where it's like run down the stairs through the innovation hub sprint to my car throw it in the back and try to get to the hub as the you know UPS shipping hub as fast as possible to get it out at the end of the day so you guys are based in the innovation hub mm-hmm. yeah how do you like that it's it's been a great oh great gosh. space what 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 an opportunity that that space has been. It's cool to have a space like that. You know, like I always tell everybody, you know, when I started back in 2004, I was like, we didn't have any of this stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> and now we have like all the, thing, I mean, all yeah. of this opportunity, these, you know, accelerators, incubators, and mm-hmm. places like the Innovation Hub where it allows you that opportunity to really get something off the ground. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool. I was a senior in college living downtown in Porter's when, um, uh, when the innovation, when the AGH started getting torn down and they were building the innovation hub and I would ride my bike to campus and I would see that building and I was like, if I ever start a company and I'm still in Gainesville, I want to be in that building. Yeah. So it was cool to like come full circle and actually have a company in that building. It's cool. Um, Porter's has improved a lot since then. <laughs> they gave me permission to fly a drone in that building. 
That's Re- awesome. Yeah, for a really? video we did one time. That Whoa. was awesome. Like to go between the floors. I, I love them just for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You should do that. Yeah, no, again. I mean, uh, it was for it was actually for it's for the Josh Greenberg video that we did. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and there's like a there's a shot where you see like that whole you know in, inside the Innovation Hub that yeah, whole that entry yeah. Yeah. You see like you see just the pan up all yes yeah, oh that's a great idea. yeah it's cool <laughs> that's cool awesome. yeah I've not like, flown a drone in the building <laughs> yeah. they probably I mean they yeah. probably don't want me sharing <laughs> yeah. that gotta get, gotta get special permission for that did you like, fly the do you fly oh, the drones no 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 okay no, no. I'm definitely the guy that hires the experts to okay. do everything <laughs> okay cool I'm pretty much good for one thing and that's talking on a microphone. <laughs> Everything else, I don't know. Yeah, good. So, so it talks to me a little bit. I mean, ha, did COVID like interrupts you? Got, I mean, I always being in that startup, you know, the five year mark is kind of the mark that everybody's kind of looking to, right? Yeah. So, are that's you going to survive? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that, to have something like COVID kind of hit, um, and especially like, I don't know if you guys have felt the impact from the manufacturing side and that kind of. I mean right now we're struggling to get scooters. It's like mm-hmm. the supply chain is like so messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just kind of curious how that has impacted you guys. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it definitely had an impact. One of the nice things about being in the industry that we're in is that 3D printing really came to the forefront during COVID because supply chains were so messed up, were so disjointed, and a lot of companies were not ready to you know shift production. So 3D printing really came into its own in a lot of respects in that you're able to spool things up really quickly. So you probably saw stories on the news about 3D printed face masks or face shields, or um, they had those little clips that went on the back of people's masks to like give relief to their ears because everybody's wearing masks 24 seven. So there were a lot of really cool things that were done with 3D printing. Uh, we, we actually got to um, stay open as an essential business because we helped out a, uh, a a local manufacturer with some 3d printing stuff that we so anyway there, there was just a lot of cool things that 3d printing was able to be used for because it is such a flexible technology and so we really were able to benefit from that uh, a lot of people were sitting at home using their 3d printers or getting into the hobby so they were buying from us more so that that was a, it was a we were well positioned i guess um for supply chain disruption. Um, a lot of our supply chain is also domestic. It's in the U.S., and so we have very few suppliers overseas. So that helps. That sure. helps a lot. Um, we still had some issues, like one of our companies that does plating for us on machined parts also is a medical plater, so they were they had to basically put our stuff on the dock and say, you're gonna sit, it's gonna stay here for an indefinite amount of time until we're done plating medical supplies because we have a critical need. Mm. And of course for that, we're like, okay, yeah, you know, that's fine. Just we'll, we'll find another way. But um, for the most part, we had a, a, a very successful year in terms of revenue and growth. That's cool. So, yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. How are, like, how are people finding you guys? Like from a marketing standpoint, because it sounds like you're pretty, you know, not, I mean, you said, 30 countries? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, how, how are these people in other countries finding it? You know what I mean? Like, is it just yeah. good SEO at this point or what? Uh, we do have some pretty good SEO. Um, we also run things like Google ads and Facebook ads, but really a lot of our traffic comes from uh, having really, really good customer service and, and word of mouth. People that are, like in any hobby, like you've got some really nice camera equipment in here. I'm sure there's tons of forums around camera equipment where people are talking about troubleshooting or like how do you adjust the gain for this to get a better sound. So there are forums like that for 3D printing that cover very specific 3D printers. Uh, Pretty much any 3D printer with a reasonable amount of sales is gonna have a forum. And so if one guy on that forum ends up buying our stuff, tags us, Mm -hmm. we reach out, talk to, so it's really a lot about word of mouth and engaging with the community. It's a big part of my job and and, um, really the whole company's job to engage with people and spread the word. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It also helps when the people who um, buy in are influential YouTubers. You know, so that that, (laughs) YouTube is a big part. Yeah, yeah, that made an impact early on, like in um, early 2019, and um, it has kind of a snowball effect. Yeah, thankfully. So, I mean, is there any opportunity to maybe do like some of the affiliate marketing stuff with those types of guys? Yeah, so we have an affiliate program as well. So these guys, uh, a lot of the bigger influencers are 
you know, if they make a video and they feature our stuff, they've got like links to buy in their YouTube video description. Yeah, it's huge. It is huge. It's been, um, it, it's been a big boon to the business for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's having that affiliate program. It's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, have you guys always been entrepreneurial? Like when you like look back to your, like your childhood, you know, I, I'm always interested in people who like worked in, cause I never did. <laughs> I was like always an entrepreneur. I, like, I, I knew from college, uh, like going to the career showcase, I'm like, I ain't never working for these people. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. So I'm like always really interested in the people who like, you know, go and they work for somebody and then over time, you know, decide like, hey, I'm gonna go try, try this thing myself, you know? Sure. Or try something. So I'm always kind of curious diving way back to yeah. like childhood, like were you always, did you have those entrepreneurial tendencies as a kid when you look back or are you just kind of like, uh, nope? I mean, my, uh, I guess like all the guys in my extended family are entrepreneurs. So I think I probably had it like from a hereditary uh, <laughs> perspective. Okay. But, and uh, you know, I, it, it definitely, it feels good to, to be able to shape the business. So I think I always wanted to do that. And of course, you know, when the business is, is your own and you're as small as our company is, we can do that a lot, so. Yeah, I'll say on Chris's behalf, he was kind of an entrepreneur, if you wanna use that term, at the companies where we worked, uh, in the sense that he was the guy like launching new projects and, and heading up new initiatives, bringing in new technology, that sort of thing. Uh, so. Yeah, you were too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we both we both were. Yeah, we both were. That that was a nice thing about the company we worked for is that you could you could go start projects and get funding and, and like make an impact. So it kind of uh, was I think it, I'm sure a lot of people came uh, started their own businesses from that from that job. So have either of you uh, been recruited? Like trying, like somebody trying to pull you back. <laughs> Maybe not from that company, but from yeah. you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, not, it's gonna, it's yeah, gonna, it's I, gonna happen. A when little, you're good it's, at that. yeah, it's, it's, I guess, um, I don't know. It just I guess depends on what all, you know, what all inquiries you respond to. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it gets kind of overwhelming, like the email, right, and, yeah. and LinkedIn and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about like the future of 3D printing, right? Because I mean, this is uh, an area that seems to have grown a lot over the last few years. Mm. Um, You know, is this something like like everyone legitimately will have one? Is it that kind of thing? Or is it gonna be in specific industries only? Like, could I, is there a day where I could be like, I can't find the part for this 1980 Honda Metro, scooter you know like let me print let me just go and print one like is this gonna yeah. be a reality so i think there's um if you look at technology adoption in general there's uh I forget the gentleman's name that came up with the theory behind this but essentially there's like uh tech is introduced there's a lot of hype and people is are super excited about it and then like the real work starts because it's gone from an idea to a bunch of people really smart people working really hard on it and it sort of dies off because people think okay we were promised flying cars and (laughs) flying cars aren't here yet so now i'm pissed about it and i'm going to forget that this ever happened well then at some point the technology actually reaches a readiness level where it becomes starts to become feasible um You've seen that with drone industry. You've seen that with like PC industry, things like Bluetooth connectivity in your car. These are all things that people talked about 20, 30, 40 years ago, but were not realistic or feasible. And it took time for that to catch up. So I think there's going to be, we're in a a point right now in the curve for 3D printing where there was a lot of hype. Um, Now, like the real work is, is happening in terms of diversification of the industry. And of course, the the adoption curve is going to be led by businesses because that's really where um, the application is um, like the the cost has to come down through businesses buying these sort of things in bulk. So in terms of, you know, your business, I think there's potentially a time if there's a, a payoff or whatever, there's enough 1980s Honda scooters out there that need this particular part where you could either talk to a service bureau that has a design for this part and then they just go press print and send you a bunch or you could have somebody on your staff that is like good with the 3d printer and and cad which is a computer-aided design that's like 3d modeling software and then that person can go whatever use their phone do a 3d scan of the concave hole that's left in the scooter when the part is missing reverse engineer that 
press print and, and it pops out. So um, I think there is a feasibility at some point that everybody has a 3D printer, but I think that's really, really far away um, in terms of usability. Because um, right now it's there's still a pretty high technical hurdle for sort of the average person that doesn't have a significant interest in it to just pick it up. Honestly, I'm just tired of waiting for parts to get here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, so that's, it's like that's a good trying reason. to order stuff from overseas, you know, right. every once in a while. We get like a some sort of old school Vespa or something. It's like, right. man, like trying to hunt down this part. And usually yeah. it's in Italy. And yep. yeah. Like, yeah. Th- there are a number just, of people doing that. Hit, yeah. <laughs> let me just hit print. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's a thing. That is yeah. definitely a thing. So yeah. one of our one of our really mm-hmm. good customers in Ohio is like the sole and I'm going to forget the name of the, do you remember the boat company that he works on? No, I know uh, what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's like an old Wisconsin based boat company that went out of business like 10 years ago and they made these particular, just beautiful handcrafted boats. He's the only like authorized repair shop in the, in the world. And they made tens of thousands of these boats. And so he buys a bunch of our stuff because he has a 3d printer shop he's got a normal repair shop but he also has a 3d printer shop where he just prints all these parts because to go get a mold made in china one there's gonna be a super long lead time and then if he needs to make iterations he can't or if his customer wants you know whatever tweak this angle six degrees he can't do that with a traditional manufacturing technology whereas with 3d printing he can say sure tells his tech change this angle six degrees excuse me and, and then you pop it out and, and it's it doesn't change the manufacturing time at all you know so it's uh there's definitely an opportunity for that sort of thing that'd be cool <laughs> yeah well <laughs> an important part of that is dan mentioned cad software which that that's like the other that's the thing that's the software that generates the file right there are 3d scanners which would generate the file without going to cad software or not doing much within cad software but the advent or the you know the evolution of CAD software from something that when I started my career it was like you know I don't, on the order of five thousand dollars and it wasn't long before that to get CAD to get good three D CAD software it wasn't long before that to get uh, you know your CAD software might cost thirty thousand dollars and require a dedicated workstation and all that stuff so nowadays you can get a free subscription to like really good CAD software and run it on your browser yeah run it on your browser so it doesn't require like you could have a Chromebook you know that runs it and that is like it, 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 it's kind of the unsung hero like everybody, everybody even if they don't know what a 3D printer is they they um, uh, have heard of 3D printing but like CAD is uh, you know kids are learning CAD that it used to be only engineers would ever learn, and that then yeah the the 3D printer becomes an extension of it. You know even if you're not going to make the part out of plastic or or um, manufacture the part, you can just have it crank out a part overnight or you know in a few hours and and get design feedback for whatever the process is going to be. So um, it, so you have that all the way up to you know people who are like operating service bureaus you know printing. Uh, like let's say a Ferrari, you know, we just heard the other day, um, somebody who's going to print parts for a Ferrari, um, that they just don't have parts available for anymore. I mean, you can imagine how, how do warehouses keep parts for these, you know, antique 1960s obscure things. Yeah. Yeah. There is one. I mean, is it up to like the same type of quality in terms of, you know what I mean? Like durability. Mm -hmm. It depends. Sometimes better. Sometimes Sometimes better. better, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on the process, and then there's all kinds of finishing steps that you can do too. I mean, you imagine um, if we're just kind of looking around the room, most things that are going to have um, uh, you know some level of durability to it, they've gone through some kind of finishing step, whether it's a polishing or or sandblasting would be something um, that you could do. And there's all sort of post what's called a post processing step to kind of clean up the the appearance you can paint things obviously right. most things in this room are probably painted uh so all of those things can help improve durability um, longevity um reliability etc yeah do you guys like really nerd out on like the engineering part Yes, <laughs> I can kind of tell. I'm yeah. just like, so I mean, yeah. so how does that impact you as uh, as entrepreneurs? You know, like, do you find like, are you so in the? Is that what you want to spend your time on? Is like the actual engineering piece of what you do, or do you find yourself? Oh man, I got to deal with this team member headache, uh, like whatever, like whatever. You know, yeah. like the actual business part of it, right? Because yeah. I think that's, I don't know, I there's just a part of you know being a business owner 
that you didn't realize was part of being a business owner <laughs> until you become a business owner. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think like, it's probably a different answer for each of us. Yeah, so I, I would think, be super yeah, curious here. Yeah, so I'm, I love uh, strategy and sort of long-term thinking. And uh, so I get really excited about building like a long-term plan and strategizing and like how do we... Um, how do we turn whatever scenario we're facing into a you know life size game of risk? Uh, <laughs> okay. So I like that. So I enjoy that business aspect of it, um, and I think kind of where my like Chris is a phenomenally better engineer you know, from a design standpoint uh, and a technical standpoint than I am. But I think where my skill set lies is that I can sort of take the business and sales world and my engineering understanding and have a kind of like marry the two so that I can um, speak to the engineering team, still provide leadership guidance, et cetera, but also sort of build the business and think how, where, where are we, you know, not only next month, but also five years from now. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I feel like operating the business is a lot like engineering, you know, where it's uh, just uh, problem solving. Fortunately, our team is just fantastic. Awesome. We, we have, like we just don't even really have, you know, personnel issues anymore. I mean, it's it's just a, a dream, and Dan has done been a huge part of that, um, hire, making good hiring decisions. And um, you know, we do have we, we have some things that don't uh, most businesses uh, don't have to deal with, like people cloning our product or something. You know, uh, uh, especially overseas, and and how do you how do you combat that? You know, these kinds of uh, headaches, but. Um, you know, we, we have strategies for all these things and we have the right resources in place to handle it now where it used to be kind of like, ah, what do we do? There are only 24 hours in a day and it's like, you know, me, Dan, and, and one or two other people and, and uh, now it's like, it's less of a scramble and more of a just planning operation. Cool. Yeah. So Dan, what is the long-term strategy then? <laughs> you know, like uh, if you spend all this yeah. time on this long term right. strategy, I mean, well, like what's what's the plan? How often do you guys talk about it? Like where, mm -hmm. like I mean, where do you see this company going? Yeah, so I definitely we want to you know keep growing at at uh, a rate that is sustainable and um, but also sort of accelerated. Um, we've typically our our constraint has not been sales, but it's been more of uh, like supply. Um, so we're going to keep keep building, keep uh, um, building the slice empire, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, at, at some point we'll have to evaluate options for, for what that looks like, you know, with a long-term partner, maybe somebody that's bigger than us. Um, but for the meantime, we're, we're just running as fast as we can. You know, how do we, how do we maintain the integrity of the team? How do we maintain the integrity of our product line and keep building. Um, I mean, it's a race. You've got this, you know, these signs up here about hustle and grind. And those yeah, are somebody words gave me that, those. I, that I use a lot. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is it is a grind, but it's a fun grind. I'm, I'm a runner, I like running. And uh, one of the things that I like about running is there's like, you set a pace where you can figure out how fast can I go to get to the finish line and like, only a few steps farther, you know, from the finish line to the water cooler. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I used to do that, like in high school, I would run, and um, there were a couple races where I literally like crossed the finish line and just collapsed. Uh, and that's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of my like I'm going to give it my all and push as hard as I can uh, while we're while we're in the race, but at the right pace to where I don't collapse before the finish line. <laughs> but do you know what the finish line is? I think so, yeah. What's the, finish, what, what's, what's the finish line look like for you guys? Uh, I think I'm going to deflect that question for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's hard to it's hard to know. I mean, part of it has to do with what how you know we we grew during COVID um, because the consumer market grew. Like people were doing their hobbies, and there was this PPE uh, movement that was kind of grassroots and. It became in the public eye, like 3D printing. Everybody knew that 3D printing was involved, like around I don't know, what was it April through mm -hmm. June of last year, or something. something like that. Um, uh, 
so that that was really positive. The, unfortunately, the the businesses that we also wanted to sell to, you know, the, like on most businesses, they um, uh, bunch of freezes. Yeah, there are a lot of freezes because mm-hmm. it was you know industry, um, uh, except for particular ones that were involved with the COVID response. You know, were kind of. Um, dormant for a while and we're hoping that'll pick back up so that affects you know where we go strategically we have to see for example a lot of the trade shows they're all going to happen like in the end of q3 and q4 this year and we're gonna like see who made it you know there's been a lot of acquisition interesting yeah Yeah. a lot of a lot of you know consolidation of the industry because you you just can't have hundreds and hundreds of companies in this business that are in the 3d printing business that are um you know on their own it's better better for some of them to combine and that's already started to happen so. what's 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 the revenue split for you guys when it comes to like the businesses and the consumers like the direct to consumer yeah so we sometimes that's a little bit difficult to discern because businesses will buy on our website as well so uh, but i'd say probably 10 percent of our business is selling direct to 3d printer manufacturers where they are installing our parts on their machine from the factory and then the rest of it is through our website or our reseller network and that's probably split about 50 50 in terms of consumers that are buying for like a diy hobbyist kind of purpose versus somebody that has um, you know a business built around 3d printing whether it being like printing those boat parts i was talking about earlier or something else like that do you feel like there's gonna have to be a time where you decide that you're gonna have to go you know, all in on one versus mm-hmm. the other. It's like a good all, question. All in on yeah. like serving businesses mm-hmm. and not doing the con, you know direct to consumer yeah. or, or opposite. I feel like at this point the market is still so nascent that in order to generate enough revenue to continue to scale, we really have to serve sort of both mm-hmm. markets, um, which is how we've positioned ourselves. Uh, Long term, we'd love to see more sort of sustainable OEM business, what we call an OEM, a original equipment manufacturer. So a, a 3D printer manufacturer, we'd love to see more of the business go that direction because that's like, we know in advance how much they're gonna order for six months or nine months or 12 months in advance. And so we that's uh, sort of a more um, concrete business to manage. Um, so I, that's kind of the direction we see things going is, is uh, sort of in that OEM direction. Yeah, I, I think, I guess my short answer to your question would be, no, I, I don't think we need it. You know, the businesses and the consumer, are um, they're both interested in, in the same products for the same reasons. Like they're solving the same problem for, for both of them. So it, that, and that's just a really convenient part of our business. You know, we can, we can uh, we're diversified that way. And that's what got us, through COVID, you know, how to grow through COVID. So um, I think the consumer part will always be there and always, you know, benefit from like, you know, it's cool that we sell to like national laboratories and, you know, military stuff. And, it's, cool. and, and you know, sometimes we can talk about that on our webpage, like what we're doing and that, and then the, the consumers feel like they're a part of, of all, you know, like they're on the cutting edge and they are. Um, by using our products. So yeah, they, they support each other, those two business segments. What do you guys do when you have a disagreement as partners? <laughs> we duke it out. We no. duke it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Is it like, I mean, you get, yeah. I, like I like to ask part, if I'm just being very transparent, mm-hmm. I've been in a couple partnerships and that didn't work out for me. Uh, <laughs> so like, but I, you know, that doesn't mean that I would not enter another one. I just mm-hmm. like to learn from those who are in them. So like, you know, is there voting, like when it comes to a major decision in the business, like is there a voting uh, mm-hmm. process that you guys have like to determine like this is the route we're gonna go? So I guess from the beginning, a couple things we uh, had, sort of ground, we set ground rules at the beginning. And one of them was we knew we wanted to find a third partner, so there was a tiebreaker. Mm. Uh, and then the other part of that was we agreed we weren't going to hold grudges. Uh, so that's, I think we've been pretty good at that so far. Because um, I think that's what a lot of times will like come back to bite you. It's like, okay, we went with your thing last time, but now I'm 
ticked off at you, but I didn't say anything, you know? So it's like, <laughs> so then it comes back six months later and you're like, when you did that, it ticked me off. And you're like, oh, well, you didn't say anything, you know? <laughs> so I think we've, we've uh, set clear sort of communication ground rules. Um, and I had a third point, I don't remember what it was. So I mean, with the third partner being the tiebreaker. Yeah, third yeah. partner being the tiebreaker, so that's helpful. Um, communication rules, what else? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. know. I think that's yeah. That's <laughs> Our it. third partner. He's he's all. He's not just. He's not just the tiebreaker. We didn't bring him in just to be a tiebreaker. Yeah. No, 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 I, get, I get that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could have been your tiebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just explain it to me. I'll right. tell you who. You'll, you'll take less than a third of the company for that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he he brings a wealth of um, business experience too, um, mm-hmm. because he he's also um, running a uh, you know he owns his business so. Um, and, and it, his business has some parallels with the business we're in. And it's, it's very helpful to be meeting with them every week, you know, um, at, at least every week. And um, gosh, I mean, we haven't really had any any like major dis- strategic disagreements. I and mean, it's mainly just been like over the next six months, you know, like how do we, how do we, how do you move resources? You know, how do you resource, do you resource like, you know, marketing or do you resource, you know, more, I don't know, how many trade shows do you go to this kind of thing? It has to, yeah. a lot to do with man hours. Like how are we going to spend people's time? Cause you can't just go on a hiring spree, right? That's you, you can, you can go get funding fairly quickly, but you can't go hire quickly, you know, not especially not in today's environment. Yeah. And, and not in Gainesville either. You know, Gainesville is kind of small town for, um, for hire, I mean, you can get you can get interns, right? But you to get like full time skilled people takes some time. So yeah, so um, that's the the bottleneck I'd say is like man hours, you know, and how many getting the right people. Now now we're just to that kind of tipping point, I think, where you know we're not having to to uh, to think about everything in terms of you know where do we put what do we do for the next week because we just don't have that many hours to spend on a response to this and that. Yeah, no, it's good. It's really good. And it makes me like, I don't know, one of the things that, I mean, at least for me, I've kind of used this pandemic as like a, a good reset opportunity, you know? And it's like, I don't know, I used to be so gung-ho about growth. So I guess like, you know, for all the listeners out there, I mean, if there's anything that I've learned, and if I think I'll use to kind of coach other, at least small businesses, maybe not like, you know, larger companies, but like with small businesses, it's like, man, you know, how can you grow, but like, you know, grow what's important, which is the profitability of the company, (laughs) right? Because I think sometimes we just get so hung up on like sales, right? you know, it's like, how do you go from 1 million to 2 million to 5 million to 10 million, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and, and dude, like, the truth is sometimes those numbers grow and the profit doesn't, (laughs) you know? And so it's like, how do you, how do you focus on the growth of the profitability of the organization? Mm -hmm. So that's, I don't know, something that I've like really been thinking about. Cause now, now I'm like, all right, like I need to, well, I feel there's a lot of companies out there right now that need help finding good people. Mm -hmm. Seems like, yeah, we're in that boat for sure. Yeah. I see like, you know, you know, hiring signs everywhere, like mm-hmm. everywhere, everybody's looking for help, um, including us. And, but even then I'm like very, I'm like, okay, how can I, like, what is the single most important position that I need right this second? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then after that, okay, what's the single most important, <laughs> yeah, like what's the next one, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cause there's definitely been times where I'm like, yo, I need this, I need this, I need this, like bring it all on, you know? Uh, anyway. I remember my third point, third point, of why I think this works well is that Chris and I had worked together for, I don't know, four years, five years, something like that, yeah. before we started a company together. So I like already knew his quirks and he already knew my quirks. And yeah, that's huge. That, kind of I think had that, that relationship helped. established. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that helped a lot. Yeah. And our third partner, gosh, I knew him for 10 years, I guess, before, before this partnership so yeah, yeah no, cool. we weren't unknown quantities to each other that was that's key yeah right no so, for sure yeah so what's been like the biggest challenge thus far <sighs> clones yeah i mean i feel like 
I wouldn't say it, that's been the most annoying thing. Yeah, that's definitely the most annoying. Um, yeah, the the whole you know just protecting intellectual property. But but when it comes down to it, the people who wanted our stuff, they they would go buy the original. I, I almost think that folks who buy clones are it's kind of a personality trait. I don't know. It's it's not you know we have such a, a good following with the our customers. The return rate is like through the roof. I, I don't. Need, yeah, it's like it. a third of our customers will come back and buy again within 12 months yeah which is astronomically high for the industry yeah that's cool so i can't say that like you know intellectual property infringement is like a huge like we'd rather not be there and we don't want that we don't want it to be legitimate legitimized in the form of like a, another like a printer manufacturer latching on to a clone um that would that wouldn't be fun but um i would say that you know the throttle has mainly just been um well before covid maybe like before covid it was manpower like mm-hmm. we just didn't we just didn't have the people on board now it's just i think we're waiting for businesses to bounce back and and let that the oem you know that we call the oem or the business portion take off um rather than just you know niche hobby industries or you know people making aftermarket parts for cars or things like that that's that's kind of pushed forward with covid but we want to see it enter mainstream industry and and uh so yeah yeah Yeah, if you think about manufacturing when you think of manufacturing scale you have to make about ten thousand of something of a part in order to reach like an economy of scale to where you're reducing the per unit cost to a significant point to where it becomes, um, you know, scalable. So you don't reach that typically selling direct to consumer unless you've got a lot of marketing dollars to put behind it. And we're a very scrappy sort of lean startup as we talked about before, you know, been bootstrapped the whole way. So um, to do that, to reach that sort of manufacturing scale, we really need to work with 3D printer manufacturers that are selling lots of printers, and so they have to buy lots of hot ends, which is the part that we make primarily. So uh, that's that's really where the scale comes in. Cool. Yeah. What do you guys need from Gainesville? What do you need from the area? Mm. Anything? More like when flights I, when I th- in and out of Gainesville. That would always <laughs> be nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more flights. Um, I mean, that's why that's why I like to ask because it's like mm-hmm. it's one of those things that. You know, I, I sit down. I talk to businesses like yours, and I like almost get like this gut fear of losing you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, I, like I just this entire time, like multiple times in the back of my head, I'm like thinking to myself, like, is this a company that can stay here mm-hmm. long term? Like, what's your answer to that? Yeah. Yes, you can. Our parts are small, and we can ship them from anywhere. So if our parts were not small, yeah. it would be hard to say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But because our parts are like 40 grams and can fit in the palm of your hand, we can stay here. Yeah. Um, we could be in Alaska and it wouldn't hurt us that bad. Okay. Alaska might be tough. Yeah, harder than, <laughs> yeah. let's say Hawaii. Yeah. More fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think there's not a lot of manufacturing space in Gainesville. It's growing. Um, a lot. I mean, you even talked about 2004 when you started, there yeah. wasn't much here, you know, uh, that's really, really changed. And, and the investment that the innovation district is making in that whole team. And mm-hmm. I mean, Trimark, John Fleming's got, I think a really good vision for what Gainesville can be. Yep. Um, and you know, the whole Alachua area with the Sid Martin park and progress park and the new solar park coming in, all of those things are really sort of transforming, I think, the landscape and allowing companies like us that have a really high growth trajectory to look at how do we stay here. Um, but it, a lot of it is around logistics, like more flights, more UPS delivery routes, more, you know, more frequent um, um, deliveries. All of those things around logistics are really kind of core to any e-commerce business. Um, and we're primarily e-commerce right now. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you guys need to get connected to you? Like if there was somebody out there that was listening to this podcast, like who's the perfect person to get connected to? Uh, uh, no. Sure. Besides Elon Musk. Or I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> we're trying to hire an inside salesperson right now. So okay. somebody, somebody Somebody's wants to do looking, inside sales. Yeah. yeah. Inside salesperson. Totally. Yeah. Who That's is it. technically inclined. 
and yeah. they've got to be able to talk to nerds like us and, <laughs> and uh, this whole time i've been sitting here like how do i talk to these nerds? Right. I'm like trying to like yeah, yeah. trying to hold a conversation about like <laughs> Uh, no, it, it's super interesting stuff to me, man. So, okay, so an inside salesperson. Yeah, yeah so I mean, mean inside sales, inside sales. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, maybe it's, we'll find it. Maybe we'll reach that'd out be to awesome. Them. Yeah, hopefully they listen to your podcast. Gosh, that'd be. <laughs> if you like, message me. You're like, hey, we got an inside salesperson right. because they like legit heard the podcast, and that'd be awesome. I'll buy you lunch and give you commission. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can. I, I thought of an answer to your question, like. Um, what can we? What could Gainesville do for us? Or let yeah, me yeah. let me first say what Gainesville did. Um, awesome. First of all, having this incubator like we discussed yeah, was, was a big deal. Like for us to get the space that we're in, you know, outside of the incubator would have, um, in the early stages especially, would have been uh, really really expensive. Um, uh, UF being just a fountain of qualified interns is big for a startup company you know and we've hired three three right uh, right yeah three recent gator engineering graduates yes so we you know we've always always in back to our previous job we we always viewed internships as you know kind of like an extended interview to hire um it was it was kind of a training ground for um for permanent hires so um those two things have been crucial i mean if we if there was like if if I was creating a town and I wanted to um, have uh, companies, you know, startup tech companies um, get their beginnings in the town, I would say uh, being able to support them in terms of uh, intellectual property creation would be key. Like, I don't know if there's a way to give like a, like a grant or like assistance with IP or something like that, but that's, that's a, an expense that hits pretty heavy early for mm-hmm. the, for the startup. And it's hard to bear. I like, guess why a lot of startups get external funding is to cover, you know, not only startup manufacturing expenses, but startup IP. And give me so, an idea. Like what's our cost? I'd almost rather not 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 tell you just because <laughs> some people will think it's a lot and some will think it's a little and and it's kind of a contentious thing in our field also which is odd that's a I think that's a unique to our industry I don't know of another place where like they're you maybe Google it while we're like doing this or what? yeah it, <laughs> it depends on what you get but yeah, yeah. but yeah but it, like there's a there's a big open source movement and you know open yeah, source yeah, yeah. right and that sure. that's important and there's there's a reason for that there are reasons um, why it's a good thing but the you know the realities of the situation are um, uh, that you end up being the free R&D department for for low cost yeah. you know manufacturers who, who don't Anyway, that's a long story, but but I would say that would help, you know, some some way to get um, to at least me, you know mentor or guide the IP to the point where you know you don't have to bear that expense until like two years later or something. Yeah, that's interesting. That would have certainly cool. helped. What yeah, a very sure. well like thoughtful answer. <laughs> that had a lot like of time that. to think yeah. about. It. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I like <laughs> Thanks. That. <laughs> Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks super for interesting. Us. Like, I'm uh, I'm excited. Like, I love when I get to engage with a company like yours and hear your story because it's always like, man, I cannot wait to kind of see where they're at five years from now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gonna be cool to kind of see what that growth has been, what kind of path it did take, and and what ended up happening. So cool. Yeah, you should come by. Yeah, come by. we're yeah, not love far to. from here. Yeah, I'd love so. to. We'll have to do, and we'll have to do like a recap sometime in the future to kind of yeah. see where, yeah. where where that's at. That'd be you, fun. you do need a 3D printer. I mean, it would yeah. fit in this office. It would look oh, like sure, another man. piece of your equipment. So yeah. <laughs> print all kinds of stuff, especially yeah. like I mean, there's always times where we're like looking for like some sort of intake manifold. To some, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, like that could probably be printed. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, you can print an intake manifold yeah. for sure. And depending on the, I mean, scooters are relatively relatively small, so it's not like you're trying to print something for a yeah big diesel truck or something yeah <laughs> yeah you can you can totally print it and one of the materials that the most popular material to print is uh, pla and when you when you print it it smells like pancakes so like every you're, if you put it in this room your, your whole room will smell like you <laughs> oh, know dude, that'd be terrible pancakes it's great i mean it's it, there are, the other plastics aren't like so aren't hungry so, like all the yeah. time yeah yeah maybe it's not a good idea <laughs> <laughs> so where can our audience like connect with you where can they buy the products where they can yeah. they keep in touch with what's going on so sliceengineering.com um, slice like an orange slice engineering like the discipline.com where where the name come from uh 
so <laughs> it came to me while I was laying in bed, like a lot of good ideas they come in the in bed or in the shower, you know, because your brain's like still for a moment. Um, but yeah, we were. So Chris had come up with the idea for the mosquito, which is our sort of main product, and um, and that's like a Florida thing. So I was thinking about the 3D printing process and how it happens in layers. And I was like, okay, what's another word for layers? Okay, slices, slice engineering. Like we really wanted to focus on engineering being sort of at the core of what we were doing because um, we're not just trying to make the cheapest thing to make. Um, we're trying to really put thought and effort and innovation into the parts that we produce. So slice engineering really fit. And it like fit with the Florida theme as well. Yeah, So cool. Yeah. So sliceengineering.com, yep. anywhere else? Uh, we're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel. So, at Slice yeah. Engineering? At Slice Engineering, mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hey, this is awesome. Thanks for coming on, yeah. guys. Yeah, Thanks, thank Colin. you. Thanks for having us, Colin. And thank you guys to everybody who is listening and making the show possible. I got to give so much love to our friends over at the GNV Commercial Advisors at Collier's Gainesville. If your business has ever bought land, sold property, or negotiated a lease, you know why it's important to have someone in your corner who knows the market and delivers results. That's why you see so many Collier's Gainesville signs around town. The GNV Commercial Advisory Team of Collier's Gainesville has the most experienced commercial real estate team in the market, along with access to a global network of industry experts. Trust me, with one call, you'll know why so many businesses trust them. Learn more at colliers.com slash Gainesville. And like I said earlier, guys, be sure to check out all of the sponsors at whoagnv.com slash sponsors. They will also be connected and hooked up in the show notes of this episode. So you can go to the show notes and get linked over. And when you contact these sponsors, be sure to say, hey, I heard you on the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. We'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>